Dominic, you've asked me many a uh, strong political question before. Well, Dominic, as you might guess, I've been asked that a few times before. To those in the press who did their job and did it with professionalism, and even to some of you who are actually kind, where's Dominic? I think you are really in a very, very high league. And I watch some of your competitors on, frankly, the national shows, and I say, why aren't you doing a national show? Because I really think your delivery and your questioning wow. and your brain power is really at the highest level. So that's good. This is Dominic Carter, everybody. everybody. Now, here's Dominic Carter on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And good morning, good morning, good morning. Dominic Carter here with you. Thank you, Rita Cosby. Another weekend is upon us, and we are so glad that you are starting it here with us on Talk Radio 77 WABC. The video I just referenced uh, with Rita Cosby that has me very upset, I will deal with uh, in a few minutes. In a few minutes. But it is another indication of why someone has to step up and stand up to the criminals. And the mayor-elect of New York City, Eric Adams, has been hitting the right notes. He's been saying the right things as recent as Thursday before the Police Athletic League. And thus far, thus far, he's not playing around when it comes to crime. And that's a great thing. I am telling you folks, this guy, Eric Adams, is going to surprise people. He's going to surprise people and really fight crime. Law and order. If you don't hear anything else, I say this hour, understand this. Law and order must come first after the last eight years, especially after the last eight years where New York has been tortured in terms of crime and leadership. Two perspectives this morning. In a second, longtime City Hall insider and attorney Sid Davidoff will join me. And later tonight, a man, about about uh, 1245, a man who was supposed to be here last night, but he agreed to come tonight because we had breaking news last night. His name is Andre Ward, and he did 16 years in prison on a drug rap. Since then... He's lectured at Columbia University, and now he works at the Fortune uh, Society, a, a reentry program for those that are, have been incarcerated. And he never could have imagined serving on an expert uh, panel alongside prosecutors, defense attorneys, advocates, and public health officials in an effort to reform how prosecutors deal with drug crimes. Now, I'm a law and order guy, and the story that has me very upset this morning is in the New York Post where a police sergeant is literally punched in the face. This happened just a Friday morning. Punched in the face and seems to lose consciousness for a second. But we'll we'll deal with that in a little bit. 
But anyway, Mr. Ward is now part of a group that is advising prosecutors. We'll talk to him. But first, let's start with Sid Davidoff, who was a longtime city hall advisor and top attorney in this city and lobbyist. And and I want to talk the issue of crime, Eric Adams, going forward. And Sid Davidoff, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Okay, let's get right to it. Mayor-elect Eric Adams has been delivering tough-on-crime speeches, even repeating his warning to Black Lives Matter leader Hank Newsom not to mess with New York. Can Adams deliver on fighting crime? Uh, you know, if anybody can deliver, and this, this time it's Eric Adams. He was elected because... The people in the city of New York believe that he can deliver exactly that. And he's shown his medal a, a number of times. But his uh, I think you're referring to his latest uh, speech before the Police Athletic League. We made it quite clear that uh, people like Mr. Newsom are not going to uh, hurt this city, harm this city, hold up this city, that he intends to enforce the law. Uh, he intends to make this police force a responsive police force, both to the community and to the, and to the city at large. So, I, I mean, I can't imagine a man who's more fit for the job uh, than Eric Adams. And I, I have such confidence that if anybody can do it, he's the guy that we need. What are the challenges, Sid Davidoff? You spent a lot of time uh, at City Hall. What are the challenges before Adams and to the flip side of that coin, can he lift up the morale of the NYPD? Yeah, you know, that's, let's take that second part first. The, uh, you know, a cop comes on the job because he wants to do the job. Most cops out of the 33,000 that we have, most policemen and policewomen, uh, have come on and signed on because they want to protect the city and do their jobs. They want to get through it uh, each day and go home to their families. And their families want to see them come home, uh, you know, uh, as they left in the morning or, or whatever time they leave. So this is one of the key things that he has to do is, is have the police person on the job, do their job, believe they're going to be backed up if they do their job right. And listen, he was on the force for 23 years. He became a captain. He was a reformer on the force and went and took on the force when he and the brass when he needed to, and still rose the captain. So he understands what what the person on what the cop on the street has to go through. And he said it all through his campaign, and he said it through his professional life. For 22 years, I put on a, a bulletproof vest to protect you, to protect this city. So he understands. So I think he he knows that he has to have the confidence of the police, that they have to have the confidence of their uh, commissioners and the mayor of the city of New York, that that they will back them up if they do their job correctly. On the other side of that is that the community wants to know that the police are there to protect them and not to hurt them. And I think that Eric has to uh, Eric Adam has to bridge that gap that we have now seen happen in the city. It isn't the first time we've had this problem between community and police, but I think that he, if anybody, can can solve it. And 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 and. and really make it what it should be so that the police can do their job and the community can be happy to have police presence in their neighborhood. On the other so side, listen, the first part of that question... Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead Sid. 
I was there on the first part of the question. That's you know, there are so many elements to to the crime problem today. Uh, even though we're seeing headlines in the city and this crime has increased slightly uh, over the last year to two, in fact, we're still one of the safest big cities in the country. But that doesn't matter if you are the person who, who gets mugged or pushed on the subway uh, or if you're a relative to that person or whatever. So, uh, you know, whether it's it, the statistics show that we're the safest big city or not, there's still a lot to do. Uh, and that that involves several different elements. And again, Eric Adam understands you have the gangs, and he's talked to the gangs, and he's letting them know, not in my city. It's not going to happen in my city. We're going to take those guns away from you. And that's one of the things he, he has to do is get at, at, to the gun traffic and, and, and take that violence that's out there away. And the second part is even a more difficult one is the homeless mentally ill. It's not, there are many people out there who would want jobs, but there are also many who have mental problems that need to be dealt with. Uh, and it's not a police problem, but it's a problem of the administration. And that's, I think, one of the next biggest issues he's going to have to overcome if he's going to keep the city as safe as we want it to be. And I, I would throw in there as well, and we are chatting with longtime City Hall insider Sid Davidoff, also a top attorney in New York City. I would throw in there as well, Mr. Davidoff, something that I know is on the tip of your tongue, bail reform. Mr. Uh, Mr. Adams can, can really want to hit hard on crime, but without the bail reform, what gives? So how does that all play out? Well, again, you know, you're right. Um, bail reform has become a, uh, a subject of whether crime really has increased. And, you know, I, I look, it, it, it can't be just coincidental that we have bail reform and then we have an increase in crime. So there must be some tie, even though many statisticians and, and reformers say it's not true. We have a police commissioner in Dermot Shea who's made that point. And I have to tell you that the electorate have made that point, that they showed that in the election in the district attorney's race out in Nassau County, uh, in, in the, in the uh, county executive race, in some of the local uh, uh, council races here in the city of New York, and in the election of uh, Eric Adams. Yeah, bail reform is going to be one of those things on his schedule, I believe, and the early part of the legislature, it's not an easy one to take on because we have uh, a very liberal legislature right now. But again, Eric Adams is not, not afraid to face controversy. And I think he'll be in the, in the front line on this. What does Mr. Adams do on COVID? And I'm wrapping up now. But what I mean by that is Adams is promising New York will be more business friendly. That is the right message to send. It should be much easier to do business in New York City working with businesses. But when it comes to COVID, do you think he will be more along the lines of a de Blasio or go or perhaps run in the opposite direction? I think it's something in between. You know, we have a governor right now in in, uh, Governor Hochul who has just mandated a mask. Uh, on, on businesses inside, um, and and also or having uh, vaccinations, having to show it to go in. And she says she has two functions. One, to keep uh, the state healthy and safe, and the second is to keep business open. And, I, 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 you know, and that can run together. It's tough. No one can predict 
where we're going with Omicron and what the numbers will show us in the near future. So there's somewhere in the middle between making sure that the business can still operate, and yet we force people to do the right thing by getting vaccinations, getting tested, wearing masks. Letitia James, out of the uh, race for governor, what do you make of that, Mr. Sid Davidoff? Well, you know, I think uh, the attorney general made the right decision. She's got some incredibly important cases on her calendar, particularly uh, with Donald Trump. Uh, I think she realized that, that that's where she belongs at this time. It certainly has changed the dynamics in this political race, which is, by the way, the Democratic primary is only seven months away. It's in June. So it, it, it really upended a lot of people who thought they still think they're going to run. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm happy. She's done a great job uh, as attorney general, and I'm happy she made the decision to continue doing that job. Kathy Hochul, and I, I am out of time, Mr. Davidoff, but it, from my perspective, this is her race, and she is uh, going in definitely the by far front runner for the nomination. You say? It's her race to lose. She's going to win it. Well, Sid Davidoff, we thank you so much for joining us, and happy holidays to you and your family. And to you and yours, Dominic. And so... We have got to take a break, but coming up later in the program, we're going to hear from, as I mentioned, a man by the name of Andre Ward. He did 16 years in prison, but now he's been part of a panel working with prosecutors and so on. He wants a more sympathetic approach uh, to dealing with uh, suspects and drug crimes. But what I referenced at the beginning of the program, and I'm looking at the... um, WABC YouTube page streaming the show live. And I see some of the comments from uh, Lenny Bruce and he says, good morning, Dominic Carter. And then he also says the video is very disturbing. So one of the headlines, and this is what I'm talking about as I'm tossing to a break here. The story in the post says uh, suspected shoplifter wallops. That's the understatement of the year. NYPD cop in the face after being asked to leave store. It is video that is so bad that I recommend that people don't look at it. We we have started our weekend, and as soon as I saw the video, it turned my stomach at how hard this suspect hit this NYPD sergeant in the face that lifts her up off the ground and it looks like she's unconscious almost like like dead meat and hits her head and immediately she could have died right then and there immediately grabs her face she was not able to get back up on the video someone runs to her aid as the suspect takes off running We are going to take your telephone calls on crime in New York City with this video, this story. This happened Friday morning, just Friday morning in New York City. Friday morning at a Dwayne Reed store on East 34th Street. We're going to take your telephone calls. The next two segments, 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. 
Now, here's Dominic Carter on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And happy holidays. We are back. Dominic Carter here with you. Talk Radio 77 WABC. The video turns your stomach. I went from arriving at WABC tonight in a very good mood to frankly being in a down, depressed mood. And I don't even know if I should say that publicly on the radio, but it's the truth. I strongly recommend that you do not look at the video that's up at the New York Post website. It's going to turn your stomach. A shoplifting suspect. This happened Friday morning, a little more than, what, 24 hours ago? Friday morning, African-American suspect who had been accused of shoplifting at the Dwayne Reed, and we're talking the issue of crime, and there's a police sergeant in uniform. A lot of officers will do duty where they're not, uh, on duty for the NYPD, but they're on, in uniform. It's a very successful program that's been done around the country. You know, you, you, you have the high-profile nature of a police officer in uniform, and it does deter crime. But in this situation, in the doorway of the drugstore, you see where the sergeant is, she's trying to talk. He's African-American, she's African-American. He's tr- She's trying to talk to him. Everything seems to be okay. He tries to get around her to leave. She steps in her way. He tries to bolt. She grabs him, and with the snap of a finger, he hit her so hard in her jaw that she literally lifts up off the ground and completely falls back like a dead piece of meat. I don't mean to be that graphic, but that's what it looked like. She lost consciousness with with the blow. And so as soon as she hit the ground, she could have snapped her neck the way she was hit, hitting the ground, and she regained consciousness immediately, and all she could do was grab her jaw. Now, notice the restraint. Notice the restraint. She didn't pull out her gun. And I, I'm sorry, I'm going to calm down. I, I, I shouldn't be so emotional about it. All right? She didn't pull out her gun. She didn't fire aimlessly towards the suspect. And imagine how bad this could have been if a backup for this sergeant was somewhere in the area. This The backup would have been forced to use deadly force. That's how hard this woman was hit. In her face. I don't know what her health condition is right now, but let's, we're going to be going to another interview at about 1245. But until then, the show is yours. Let's take telephone calls. Let's go to, um, Florence, uh, listening on the radio, uh, from Westchester. Good morning, Florence, and welcome to Talk Radio 77 WABC. Yes. Hi. Hi, Dominic. How are you? Um, thank you so much for talking about this. And um, keep up the good work, because I feel like I didn't hear about this at all. And I I don't listen to the regular media, but I didn't hear it at all. And it's it's 
it gets me, um, it makes me want to cry because it's just terrible, absolutely horrible the way the criminals are just getting away with things, especially in our city. And I'm just wondering if you think that maybe Eric Adams would make, uh, you know, make this more public and talk about it more. Maybe this would be a, um, an incentive for him to, uh, you know, get a little hurry, hurry up with his work in uh, helping well, our city. You raise some good points, Florence. Uh, one, he can't do anything until he's the mayor. But we've already seen clear signs. He can't step on the toes of the, the person that's currently the mayor. We only have one mayor at a time. But there have been clear signs. For example, the police officers that were shot. Eric Adams was there when they were released from the hospital uh, in terms of the walk. So so right. I, I, he's been on the job. I yeah. think I think that he's the right man for the job. He could not announce that he was going to crack down until he won the primary. He had to he had to run on a law and order stance but he couldn't he couldn't play his hand completely now he can say exactly what he plans on doing florence i i i thank you for the call but i have to be honest with you here you're not the only one that feels down i i it's just not right it's not right the way that police officers are being treated across the country and in um particularly here in New York City. Maybe it's because we're from this area, and so so we see it a lot more. But it's a dangerous climate, folks, because if we keep attacking, attacking, degrading, degrading police officers, these nuts out here feel emboldened to do whatever they want to do. And that's how that police sergeant was punched in her face on private duty, trying to make extra money at Christmas time, and she may have a broken jaw now, and did not pull her weapon. First of all, it looked like she was unconscious for a second. And it turned my stomach so much looking at the video in the New York Post. Again, I recommend that you don't look at it because it's going to turn your stomach as well. And I am really pissed off. And I don't get pissed off uh, that easy. Let's go. Let's go to uh, Chris. Chris is calling from upstate New York, uh, listening on the WABC app. Good morning to you, Chris. What part of upstate New York are you in? Uh, near uh, Lake George. Okay. It's, All uh, right. Fantastic. Beautiful area. Go right ahead. Yeah, I was born in uh, Manhattan, and I lived in Manhattan, and. Uh, uh, my family, part of my family still lives there. But, you know, what I'm watching is a total policy change on the part of the elite who they're facing big pension fund uh, wave hitting uh, uh, as as the baby boomers uh, are finishing their uh, their uh, retirement. And I, I think that there's there's an agreement on the part of the World Economic Forum and others that they wanted to just get rid of people, you know, no people, no problem. That's a very sort of a, as a policy, that seems to be what's going on. And, you, you know, when you allow the people like this fellow Newsom to do what he's doing, we've got a law. We've got a, a penal law. I'm from the, the, the part of, uh, of uh, history going back in the 50s when policemen had billy clubs. And uh, they would let you know that, 
that uh, you should stay in line. You know, as a young person, I saw that. So, you know, I have I'm a lot tougher than um, the progressives, so-called progressives, are doing. I believe they're trying to nationalize the police force, which is wrong. I think it should all be under local control. But nonetheless, I I'm a listener. I'm concerned. Uh, my ex-wife has a store, and she even called me up and said she, she ceased being a social Democrat. She's now a Republican. That surprised me, believe me. So that, <laughs> well, Chris, no, that's a big deal. Chris, you know, you've heard the story about people who get mugged, right? All of a right, sudden they become conservative. Right, right. right. Well, Chris, I, I thank you uh, for the call, and I hope that things work out uh, for for your for your wife and her business. And... <sighs> The way that this police sergeant is punched in the face, this is not about Democrat, Republican, Independent. This is about savages that are on the street with no respect for anyone. And I mean, you know what, Dominic, you shouldn't call them savages. Well, Dominic Carter here with you folks. I see a lot of calls. Uh, we're going to be taking a break right now. And when we, when we come back about 1245, we're going to talk to Andre Ward, who has a very unique, uh, lifestyle and he wants prosecutors to look at the whole picture, the whole picture of drug suspects. We'll have that conversation with him when he calls in. It is now time for a break. We will be right back. And with us now, Dominic Carter. Let's see you acknowledge a man whose words make your blood boil, who's standing center stage and advocating at the top of his lungs that which you would spend a lifetime opposing at the top of yours. Dominic, I want to say, when we started calling around in uh, New York City last week to find out who would have their finger on this story, you were the person who was most often mentioned, and that's why we asked you to be with us this morning. So what do you hear? What do you know? How is this thing going to come out? Now, here's Dominic Carter on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And we are back. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Dominic Carter here with you. I hope that your weekend is off to a good start. I really do. I don't, folks, take your support very uh, lightly. I appreciate the fact that we know that you have options, and the fact that you're spending it listening to WABC, it means the world to me and to this station. We are discussing the issue of crime. I appreciate what we're hearing from the incoming mayor thus far, that it's time for the nonsense to stop. He has got, Eric Adams has got to crack down and whoever doesn't like it too damn bad the city is out of control the video at the new york post of this police sergeant being sucker punched in the face lifted up off the ground falls back completely on her head is indication of a city that is out of control she could have died right then and there on the spot She grabbed her jaw on the floor, but did not pull her weapon. So to folks that say, oh, you know, the police, they they, they shoot first, ask questions later. That didn't happen here. As she was sucker punched in the face, right back to the telephone calls. Let's go to to, uh, Sandy uh, in Westchester listening on the uh, radio. Good morning, Sandy. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Thank you, Dominic. 
of my comment on crime. The only time something will be done about crime is the, the way I see it is when it actually happens to the leaders of this country. Like when the summer riots happened, people were shot, places were burned down, nothing was done. Except all of a sudden when January 6th came, they were all out there. I had enough of them, and they're still going on with January 6th. I had it with them. You think you're upset. I had it with these people. There's maybe three people there for us, and I don't even know if they're there for us. They're all there for themselves, Dominic. They're all full of crap. People out here are dying, getting shot, all kind of crap going on, and they're over there doing, they're hiding behind their, their security and all their crap. I had it with all of them. I feel worse than you do. Well, Sandy, um, one, I want I want you to calm down, and and I yeah, want I guess you, that better. And I I really do want you to have a good weekend. And I guess at the end of the day, we have to demand action. But I want you to stay positive, uh, because if we're not positive uh, and proactive, then what are we going to have? But well, go yeah. ahead. and the next thing is, I don't trust the voting. And all these crazy people out here doing everything because they're allowed to do it, Dominic. That's why they're out here doing it. Amen. Thank Amen. you, Dominic. Amen. I'm going to have a chocolate chip cookie now and calm down. <laughs> have, a, have a cookie <laughs> and calm down. Thank you, Sandy, for the Thank call. Thank you, Dominic. You, you, you are correct. You are correct. Uh, these things are happening because they're allowed to happen. This man at this Dwayne Reed Friday morning hit this NYPD sergeant in uniform so hard he lifted her up, all caught on video, up off the ground. She has to have a broken jaw. That's how hard he hit this woman at Christmas time. And she didn't pull her service revolver. She was laying in pain on the floor. And someone came to her aid and then chased after the suspect. Two. Elizabeth listening, not Elizabeth, from Elizabeth, New Jersey. Diane uh, listening on the radio. Good morning, Diane. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Hi, I appreciate your program. I listen to it a lot. Uh, I think I must be living in a, in a universe where uh, I don't understand this. These people go to training. Policemen go to training to know how to defend themselves, to know how to apprehend criminals. You don't walk, a woman does not walk up to a man committing a crime and stand there and say, hey, you know, stop doing what you do. I but mean, no, but wait, is, wait, don't wait, you wait. think this is naive? Okay, but wait, no, naive. No, 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 I don't, Diane, because uh, the officer has to question uh, the individual about what's going on. That happens in every scenario. Now, remember, I, she, she was off duty, so she was doing private security work. And she had no idea that that this man would haul off and do exactly what he did. So I I don't th- I hear you, but I don't think she can be blamed uh, in this situation for what this nut job for what this person uh, did to her. But Diane, I, I hear you, and uh, I thank you for the call. Let's go to Long Island. Mary Beth is listening on the radio. Good morning, Mary Beth, and welcome to Talk Radio 77 WABC. Thank you, Dominic. Um, The problem with the city, (laughs) the crime is out of control, and Mayor de Blasio, he has no care for humanity. Any of these crimes that have happened under his tenure, has he ever come forward and said 
anything on air at his press conferences as to how horrible these things are and how they have to stop. And I think now with Mayor-elect Adams, it's going to turn around. He's not going to ignore these things. These things have to stop. And when a leader points it out over and over again, I think that's the first step. Right. Somebody has to speak up. I agree with you. And let me just say this about the Eric Adams that I know. Okay. Now, you have to do one thing to get elected. But then once you're in the job, then then you can let your hair down a little bit. Trust me. I haven't talked to him lately. But trust me, Mary Beth, he's got a plan ready to go the moment that Black Lives Matters acts up. I guarantee you. The Eric Adams I know already has a plan, even though he hasn't announced his police commissioner uh, who she's going to be. That's expected to come very soon. I can guarantee you that he's got a plan ready to go that the moment that these fools take to the street, they have a right to protest. They have a First Amendment right to protest. But I guarantee you he's got a plan ready to deal with them. Let's go to Stan Forest Hills listening on the radio. Good morning, Stan. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Yeah, good morning. How are you? I'm doing uh, You okay. said the lady was all, basically off-duty? Right, working. she was working, working for extra money? Right. You, you have a lot it, around the country. It's a program where companies will hire off-duty I know, officers. I know that. Okay, go ahead. Than me, uh, so she got sucker-punched is basically what it yes. was. Yes, right? yes. Did she, was she carrying a gun when she was sucker-punched? It, lo- it looked like she did. But, but what I'm trying to explain to you, Stan, it came out of nowhere, and it was so fast no one could have responded to that. No, that's fine. No, I understand that. I understand it. But I wanted to respond to that woman who just called uh, that she's fed up. But uh, let's get something straight here, okay? Democrats, people who are in power, if you don't think they're against crime, some of the laws they pass have questionable situations, but we're all against crime, lady, okay? Nobody wants to see anybody hurt. And to bring up the point about we keep bringing up the point about January 6th. Lady, don't talk about January 6th because it has nothing to do with this topic. But if you want to talk about it, you know, our country was in danger. But I don't want to talk about that now. I want to talk about this situation because to bring up the 6th and talk about this, okay, it's two separate worlds, law it's, and it's, order. It's, it's got to be quick. We've got I'm a sorry. full board. I'm no, sorry. it's okay. And, and but I, the point and I is, go to Mr. Andre Ward. Go ahead. Okay, I'll get it quick. The point is, there's always going to be crime in this country. And it's out of hand. There's always been times it's out of hand. And it will be fixed. Things turn around. Hmm. So hmm. And it's got it. And we got a new mayor. Okay. Let's give him a shot. Okay. Well, thanks, Stan. We'll see what the new mayor has to do. All I can tell you is that it's Christmas time. We don't know if that police sergeant was doing this over, this extra work to to provide for her family. And now her jaw may be shattered at Christmas time because this savage viciously punched her unexpectedly. Anyway, I'm going to get get a different uh, side. I'm going to calm down and get a different side. In a moment, we're going to talk to uh, a young man by the name of Andre Ward. He did, I'm a law and order guy, but he's coming from a different perspective. He did 16 years in prison on a drug rap. He's lectured at Columbia. He's the real deal. And 
he is urging prosecutors to look at the whole person and not just throw the book at people when it comes to drug crimes. That conversation we'll have in just a moment. These are the Chronicles of Dominic Carter on 77 WABC. And we are back. How should prosecutors deal with certain crimes? My guest right now is Andre Ward. Mr. Ward did 16 years in a New York State prison in the uh, 1990s. And he could have never imagined that he would serve on an expert panel alongside prosecutors, defense attorneys, advocates, and public health officials in an effort to reform how prosecutors deal with these crimes. But years later, that is exactly what happened. Now, this is somewhat of a different perspective. It's important that we hear the voices. Mr. Ward is with the Fortune Society, a reentry program from incarceration. He's lectured at Columbia University, and he joins us right now. Good morning to you, Mr. Ward. Thank you so much for having me, Dominic. Really appreciate that. So before we get into the nitty gritty, if you will, of what you're working on, tell me about your background, because you have a very interesting background. And and I like to put it this way. We all fall down in life. The question is, do you get back up? And so you've come through the school of hard knocks. And on the other side, you're shining and helping others. Tell me about your background. Yeah, and I think one of the key things, Dominic, that you mentioned in your opening statement is that we get back up. And society, in large measure, um, we are really appealing to to honor that, allow people to get back up. But I served 16 years of incarceration um, owing to drug trafficking and my involvement in the shootout, which resulted in someone's life being taken, for which I'm very, very deeply remorseful for. And as a result of that awareness and sensitivity about the sacredness of human life, I really embarked on a journey of self-discovery, self-development, and a commitment to living a life of contribution. So when I was released in 2009, that's exactly what I did. I came home. I began to go to school. I began to work and meet so many advocates in the world to help change other people's thinking who are incarcerated and coming home and also change society's perception of those people returning from prison and jails. Okay, so explain this to me, Mr. Ward. How does one go from doing 16 years in New York State prison in the uh, 1990s? Uh, At the time, I believe you were 20 years old, a high school dropout. And how does one go from that situation to serving on an expert panel, as you have, alongside prosecutors, defense attorneys, advocates, and public health officials in an effort to reform how prosecutors deal with certain crimes like drug crimes. How does go from one go from the extreme where you started at to where you are now? Well, it really just started with just this whole self-discovery um, kind of experience that I had for myself. I realized intuitively that it was important for me to live the best of who I was raised to be, as is the case with many, many people that are incarcerated in jails and prisons. But oftentimes, um, because of the conditions and the environment in which they were raised, it's driven oftentimes by things like institutional racism. People 
um, don't have the opportunity to demonstrate the best of themselves and become ensnared or entangled in the criminal legal system. So I began to just reflect on myself, um, what I had done, the harm that I had caused my community, and begin to work with other men who were incarcerated that were older, who mentored me, who helped me to understand the world vis-a-vis my relationship to it and the historical relationship um, to the world. And that really helped me grow in really, really large ways. Um, In the prisons, I didn't necessarily grow from programs there because the system itself, at least from my vantage point, um, does not offer the support of programming to really help transform human beings. But it was through my own initiative, coupled with working with others, that helped me change my life. So what exactly, I'm going to get into the specifics, but for folks that are unaware of what the Fortune Society does, what exactly is it? Yeah, so the Fortune Society has been around for over 50 years, and it was founded by David Rothenberg, who is the organization, obviously, is founder of, and, and Fortune Society was named after a play that David had created because he had been a widely known playwright and had been involved in the arts and the theater and had come in contact with people who had been impacted by the criminal legal system that were incarcerated at the time in the 70s. This is during the Attica experience, etc. And hearing the stories of the men and how they had been horribly and unspeakably been abused um, by correctional officers, etc., he created a play called Fortune in Men's Eyes. And it's through that work, which was the first kind of like step in the advocacy direction that Fortune began to go in, Fortune was created. Almost 30 years now, from today now, 30-so years, our CEO, Joanne Page, has been heading the organization, and it's brought it from an organization with two or three staff to nearly 300-plus staff. And so we have our advocacy work that we do that started with our founder, David Rothenberg, And now we have grown to an organization of 300 staff offering services in 12 domains, ranging from substance use treatment to alternatives to incarceration, mental health services, education, employment services, family services, um, housing, um, just many services in 12 areas to support the people who come through our doors, which is almost 9,000 people annually. And that work has been informed by the very people we serve as they came to us in the early days of Fortune and said, we need have substance use needs. We have mental health needs. We need employment. We need housing. And they helped inform and shape the work of Fortune. Okay, so let's get to the actual details of what you're trying to do. So we are chatting right now with Andre Ward. Mr. Ward uh, did 16 years in prison, but now his redemption. He was part of a group at John Jay College that produced a document called A New Approach, Prosecutor's Guide to Advancing a Public Health Response to Drug Use. What was the goal of that report? Yeah, Dominic, you know, the goal really, or the central goal was really to provide practical advice to prosecutors and how they can use their discretion in a way that promotes public health. We know that the traditional ways in which prosecutors have engaged people with substance use history has been adversarial, has been punitive, and hadn't looked at the sum total 
of the human being and all of their experience which shape their lives that is a major contributor to the use and substances to begin with. Okay, but for someone like me, a law and order guy, in fact, like most of our listeners right now, what has been wrong with the prosecutor's traditional approach to drug cases? Yeah, again, Dominic, the relationship between prosecutor and defendant in many instances is adversarial. And prosecutors, particularly in drug courts, have not been able to look at the person holistically from a traditional and historical perspective, which means, of course, a person is caught using drugs, is apprehended and put in jail or goes before the judge or their possession of drugs, right? You're sentencing people. And obviously with the draconian laws in the 80s, um, with crack cocaine, etc., it increased tremendously the amount of people that were in jails and prisons. Particularly in the 90s on Rikers Island, there were 20,000 people on Rikers Island, and many of whom had been swept up during the time of the crack cocaine epidemic. And so the prosecutor's relationship with defendants have been adversarial, just lock them up, throw away the key. And in this guide, it's really looking at how we can stimulate creativity among prosecutors and inspire them to chart a more promising course of U.S. drug policy. And that's by looking at the sum total of the human being, bringing other stakeholders in, like social workers, like service providers from different organizations, like family members, right, to begin to understand the human being holistically so that you can develop a different approach and an alternative to just putting someone in jail and locking them away and throwing away the key. Mr. Ward, I have a lot of respect for you because um, I, I see things, particularly when you look at the headlines across the country in the last month or two, there seems to be a growing movement to return to our old bail system. And and you argue just the opposite. Why are you encouraging, or, or this panel, why are you folks encouraging prosecutors to limit the use of cash bail and mandatory sentencing structures? Because when we look at cash bail, oftentimes the defendants who come before prosecutors and judges are indigent, they're poor, they're black, they're brown, and they don't have money oftentimes. And right now there's a huge push to roll back bail reform, and that obviously is damaging and alarming. And a lot of this notion to roll back bail reform is a function of fear-mongering over fact. And I just want to state just some facts, uh, Dominic, relative to bail reform, because of the 11,000 people who released on bail in 2020, 2021, less than 1% were involved in any kind of shooting. And of that 1%, half were either victims, bystanders, or witnesses of shootings. But unfortunately, Dominic, the media sensationalizes individual cases and attributes an individual isolated case to everyone. And so when we talk about the use of cash bail, it's not overlooking whatever offense someone may have been alleged to have committed as it relates to their substance use or dependency, but it's more of being smart and not using bail reform as a scapegoat. 
I, I hear you, Mr. Ward, but I but I do have to uh, conclude the interview at this point. I would like to have you back, Mr. Ward, if you can join us and call in on another day. It's just that I am now completely out of time. I thank you for joining us. Dominic Carter here with you, folks. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Have a beautiful weekend. Love each other. Love your family members. I will be back Monday night. Coming up right now, the best of Frank Morano. And that's, of course, right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC.